Thank you for pressing play on episode 143 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and for the first episode of 2024, I spoke with drummer Rich Badeau. He was the first musician that I was able to meet in person and get his autograph going way back in time to 2004, so was really excited to speak with him, maybe too excited, and I kind of had to fight off my inner Chris Farley monologue, you know, the interview that he did on Saturday Night Live with Paul McCartney. Yeah, I kind of had to like turn down that inside my head. Huge thank you to Rich for doing this as he is a super awesome guy and it was great to take a trip down memory lane with him, hear some of his stories from the road, his newfound role as a father and also his goals for the new year in 2024. So thanks to Rich and thanks to you for listening to this episode of A-Sides. Look, it's rock and roll! And cue music. background my son's playing so if it gets like that if it gets too loud i'll go downstairs but so i might be interrupted by it it'll make for a good audio maybe <laughs> oh all right is it just video games or something well he's just playing with his toys but i'm like he's three so oh okay be <laughs> quiet daddy's yeah. working <laughs> oh it's all right texting a buddy of mine the other day and said i was going to yeah. talk to you and he had said i think he did some shows with you guys Way back, he was in Burden Brothers. Oh, no shit. Was a guitar player. His name's Corey. And he said that you're like a monster drummer. So, oh, man, I remember the Burden Brothers. The singer was from uh, the Toadies, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, man, I love the Toadies. Yeah, they were cool. That was a great tour. They were, that was like an all star band. They were great. I thought those guys would do a lot better like than they did, you know? Yeah, I think what well, that's like going back like, like early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, what album would that have been for us? I, I think that would have been 2004, probably. It was before the Paralyzer record. It was the record before that, I remember, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. self-titled one, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was them on that tour in Local H. Remember that band, uh, Gotta Keep It Copacetic? Yeah, yeah. What were the other <laughs> band with that? It's kind of funny, too. You were, like, speaking about that era. 2004 you were like like the first musician that i ever met oh really what was the situation um because i used to work for a radio station i'm in uh, peoria illinois like our station that i worked for i was like an intern and then like a part-timer at the time and you guys mm -hmm. played like an outdoor show or no wait excuse me that was another time um this was the snowcore tour in 04 and it was like you guys and trapped. I think Strata and uh, Trapped, yeah. And uh, I was out with oh, another co-worker. Smile of Soul were on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were four bands. That's right. Well, and, I uh, still touch pretty regularly with Sean from Smile Empty Soul. So. Oh, cool, cool. But yeah, like you were just, like I was hanging banners for the station out in the lobby and you happened to walk through. And I guess, I think at the time you had the big like dreads, right? And Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, I think that's the drummer from Finger Eleven, but I'm not sure. And so I approached you and you uh, signed my CD. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's funny. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I had even wanted to talk to you before, but then I guess what kind of prompted it was uh, the post you made recently where you had all your, um, you took a picture of all the uh, plaques. Mm -hmm. It's the yeah. like um, gold records, right? So we just moved to a new house. So since I moved from Canada and had my house back then, I hadn't like been able to put them up. So oh, yeah. I felt like kind of a cheese ball actually when I posted that picture. I was like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird, but yeah, it's cool. Well, no, it's cool, man. That was like, I guess what it prompted me to like message you, but I'm sure it probably brought back memories for other people that saw it too. Oh yeah, it's been pretty wild to see see all those, man. It's always yeah. surreal, you know. 
So, so are you in Canada then, or are you in the U.S.? I moved to Michigan. I was in Toronto, um, and then, yeah, I met a girl down here, and we started dating. And then at the time, I was going through a divorce. It was right at the end of Saint Asonia, and um, yeah, I kind of ended up coming down here dating, and then all that divorce stuff happened in Toronto, and I had to sell my place because of it, and then ended up here, you know. And then now I'm married. Now I'm. Uh, you know, got a green card and everything. I'm full on now, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of turned out that way, you know. Um, how's Michigan? Like, what part are you in? I'm just about um, an hour past Detroit. So, if, you know, if you uh, heading towards Chicago, so you can go over uh, Windsor, and it's just yeah, less than an hour down the road. So, it, oh, cool. So, mm-hmm. I think I've only been there like when I was like real, real little, cause like my grandpa, he like was from Michigan. So I think there was some family reunion, but I've always wanted to kind of. It's cool. Like North, Northern Michigan is a lot like Muskoka. It has that vibe and it's like, it's huge, man. It takes like six hours to drive up to Northern Michigan. And it's like totally like lakes, big, huge lakes and, yeah. you know, prodigy. And it's really beautiful up there. Yeah. Is there some part where there's like sand dunes and stuff up there too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's huge sand dunes and like big sand like cliffs going down to the and the water's like blue, almost like tropical looking. I've never been up there to see that. I've just seen it online. But it looks amazing. Um, you'll have to check it out sometime. Yeah, maybe this summer. I keep yeah, meaning. Yeah. So. Grew up in uh, Toronto. Then is that where you? Um, no, so I, was, I was born in Britain in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was. I'm fully Welsh. I moved to Canada when I was four years old. Oh. And I moved to Edmonton first. And then I lived there just for a few years. And we moved to Ontario to basically Kitchener is where I grew up, like all throughout school and high school and stuff. <clears throat> and then after high school, I moved to Hamilton. And that's where I like was in my first band. It was like a bar band that we we played like every night of the week. It was my job. So I did that for a few years into my like early twenties or, or yeah, maybe from like 18 to 20 or something. And then found out about finger 11 or rainbow butt monkeys at the time <laughs> and uh, auditioned for them. Cause they lived in Burlington right beside Hamilton. Yeah. So that's how I, you know, that's sort of, and then I moved to Toronto. I was in Hamilton for years. I moved downtown Toronto, like right near the end i only really lived there for a few years oh, okay is it true i saw it on wikipedia that uh you uh, got hooked up with that james black at a alice and chain show or something. that's what it said on wikipedia yeah well it wasn't like that uh we just we met through, like through the band like through they, i found that they were auditioning but the crazy thing is years into me being in the band we did this radio interview me and him went to some radio station he starts telling a story to the DJ about how when he was young, when the Dirt album came out, he went and saw Austin Chains in Toronto. And he's like, I waited in the back alleyway. I remember it was pouring rain. It was just like me and my buddy and like two other guys. And I was sitting there waiting and like a security guard opened the door. I was like, you guys can come down and meet the band. And I'm like listening to him talk. I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, I was that other guy that you're saying. Like we, it was <laughs> 20 years before we ever met. <laughs> so we were both like on on radio going like what the fuck <laughs> that's crazy oh man that is yeah damn no i'm do i'm working okay i'll fix it um yeah so we just were at the same place at a concert and we were just the only people in the back alley waiting to meet the band he was with his friend i was with my friend but like literally 20 years before we ever knew who each other were we both had that exact same experience kind of nuts it's kind of funny then how that is even on the internet too. It's kind of like the uh, a telephone game. Like it's partial truth. Like, yeah, that's funny that that's even listed. Someone listed. Yeah. <laughs> um. So um. Then when did you uh, pick up the drums then, or like did you always want to be a drummer? No, I was. Uh, no, I started drumming when I, I was like more. I was a skateboarder kid back like when you know tony hawk was in powell peralta and uh that whole world like the 80s and i started drumming when i think i was 10 was when i started taking drum lessons i didn't have a drum set yet i just had a snare drum my parents wouldn't buy me one because you know they're expensive and they didn't know if i would just jump to another hobby 
So they just got me a really old shitty snare drum for like a year. And I was in drum lessons. And then finally, like the following Christmas, I got a drum set. So then I was 11 when I got my full drum set. But yeah, I think 10 years old is when I started taking lessons. And um, yeah, so pretty young. I guess, yeah, your parents were what kind of testing the waters there to see if you'd uh, stick it out. Yeah, they were being smart, you know, expensive, <laughs> and a very expensive purchase for, you know, a little kid. But yeah, yeah. And then right away I joined, I found out some older kids. So I would have been in, I think, seventh grade or something then. Oh, wow. And I found this girl that I went to, that was in my class, her big brother was in a band. And like, I think they were in 10th grade, which back then I was like way older. <laughs> And she said, they're looking for a drummer. They play all Metallica songs. And I like knew every Metallica song by that point. So they came over to my house and all the kids that I jammed with back then, nobody could play. I was the only kind of guy in my grade that could actually play drums. All the guitar players didn't, you know, didn't learn any songs. So these guys came over and the first song I ever played with the band was For Whom the Bells Told. the guy knew the guitar solo and everything so yeah right from that time i was in like a band the same band all through high school and we started writing songs right away so from like eighth grade till the end of school i was in like a and so by the time i got to high school those guys all graduated so they were like full-on dedicated to being in this band so we like wrote and rehearsed like six days a week. I never went to like parties or anything in high school. It was like, we're going to get a record deal. We're going to do all this. So it's funny looking back now, how like serious I was back then at that stuff. But the band was awful. I still have demos of the band. It was called Alliance. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was shitty, but those guys are all still my friends. It's cool. They all went on to like, obviously get normal jobs and stuff after I moved to another town, eventually, you know, started doing it kind of on a bigger level but they remain my friends to this day and all those guys oh awesome man well you mentioned metallica and i had some notes but i just i'm just gonna jump right ahead to it i saw online you posted like you were like backstage at the uh, 72 uh, seasons tour and in the post you said that you actually grew up with metallica posters on your wall and stuff and then hearing uh, hearing yeah. that you're jamming metallica with guys so was that like the ultimate experience then like yeah it's funny because years ago i think in 2001 i the band did a tour with ozzy and just for that one tour jason newstead he had just quit metallica and he was touring with ozzy and back then it, i kind of forgot how big of a metallica fan i was at that point but i couldn't even talk to him during that tour i was so fucking nervous so years later i'm like fuck i can't believe i never like hung out with that guy i was around him every day point of the story is I never got to meet anyone in Metallica or I still haven't. But so yeah, a couple months ago they were playing two nights and uh, some buddies of mine were playing both nights opening from two different bands were opening for them both nights. So I was lucky enough to be able to go. We were back. It was five finger death punch the one night. So we were back seeing those, those guys are buddies and uh, they were about to play. So we were walking down through the stadium hallway to go, you know, get a seat. And James was sitting there, James Hatfield. And I was like, Holy fuck, there he is. So I, I just went up to him. I was like, do you mind if I get a picture with my son? And we just took that picture. It's not like we hung out or anything. It's just, it was literally like a minute, you know? So I can't wait when Roman, my son is older for him to, see that picture you know it's so cool but yeah that was a neat i'm glad that we got to do that got to have that little moment with him yeah yeah that's something too for your son like you said he can he can look back at that yeah sure how was uh how was that show like have you seen metallica like other times like as a fan or i mean from the the way back to like the first when the black album came out i saw them on that tour so I've seen them tons. The main reason I want to go is Pantera were playing the first night and Rex, the bass player Pantera is a friend of mine. So I was, uh, I was just so excited to see them. And then it turns out five finger were playing the next night and those guys are friends too. So I just kind of got lucky to go both nights, but I, I wouldn't say I'm really into Metallica anymore as oh. far as like the new albums and stuff. I'll, 
I respect it and appreciate it. But if if I want to listen to Metallica, I'll put on like Injustice for All or Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets. But I mean, I still watching them is they're legends, you know, but I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard Metallica fan anymore. I'm more just like give credit where credit is due. They're like icons, you know, understandable. Yeah, like I uh, I jumped into them like in the 90s reload and load era and stuff so i wasn't there for the good old days i guess the heyday yeah, I just, they were the first band that because when i started playing drums in the 80s at the time i was into uh like hip-hop and 80s hip-hop like run dmc in particular were my oh, yeah? my all-time favorite band it's still they still are huge um do you remember they did a song with aerosmith walk this way run oh DMC. yeah That was the first drum beat I ever learned. So for that particular drum beat was the reason I play drums. I just gravitated towards that. Man. But I didn't I didn't know back then because I was so young that all the drumming on those albums are just like drum machines and stuff. So when I first started playing, I was learning Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash, the Fat Boys, Beastie Boys. That was what I drummed to. And Metallica was the first like different genre of music. When I first heard Injustice for All, that's when I like became a metalhead and I shifted <laughs> away from from rap because yeah. it wasn't even hip hop back then. It was just rap, you know, but yeah. So I was a big eighties rap guy and that actually started me drumming strangely enough. Well, that is awesome. That's kind of cool. Like the transition like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden I remember hearing one by Metallica and that double bass part. Did it again. My mind was like, Oh my God. You know, You were like fully into like hip hop. Is that kind of what you were um, growing up with at the time? Yeah, because but it was like eighties hip hop. Yeah. It was so different, you know. Like uh, like I said, Run DMC, the Beastie Boys, yeah. Grandmaster Flash, Houdini. It was such. When you listen back to it now, it sounds really old. You know, like the rapping. If you listen to Eminem and then Run DMC, it almost yeah. sounds like prehistoric, like really simplistic <laughs> rapping. You know, like. But yeah, that's what I loved back then. And then, so like I said, I would just drum along to run DMC albums. And I remember I had no clue that they were not real drummers. They were just hmm. machines. So it probably like in some ways affected my style of playing from that being my earliest influence, you know? So, but yeah. Oh, and yeah. then out of that, I went straight the other direction to like Metallica and Slayer and all that. Um, yeah, there's even you just reminded me of this. There's even something I saw, uh, where there was like a thing where, like, a DJ, there was a guy like, uh, kind of doing uh, that music, but then, um, he had a live drummer with him. Yeah, I know, like, yeah. Travis Parker does. I think Travis Parker toured with Little Wayne on one tour, but oh, wow, uh, yeah, nowadays, like, it's I think more hip hop band. I know Jay Z has a drummer, um. Because yeah, you can turn yeah. you can turn that stuff from records into like like live hip hop could definitely have a live drummer and it could work, yeah. but uh, you'd have along with the drummer at the tracks going as well with the the electronic beats too. But you could play on top of it and it would sound awesome. But yeah, I guess that's I, where I was going I, with that. Oh. I drummed with a few DJs and recorded a few songs like that type of music over the years. There's a band from Canada called. Uh, uh what they called? uss hmm. they had a couple big hits but i went in the studio with them and recorded a song and i was weird when i heard the final mix because they took my drums and put them into a machine and it sounds like a drum machine i was like i don't remember playing it like that but just because of the style of music they are they they got a real drummer but then they did all this shit to it so it sounded like their genre of music it's pretty cool the song called i think it's called shipwrecked it's a Band called USS, but I even saw other than like Finger Eleven too. You've done 
Saint Sonia that you mentioned, and then you even drummed recently with Daughtry too. Yeah, yeah, I went over to Europe with uh, Chris last June. I, I played a couple shows with him in the states, and um, at the time he was like just trying to decide what to do uh, in within his band, like whether he wanted to make a change. So I just stepped in for a little bit. And before he kind of made that decision, his last drummer, I think there was a death in his family, right? When they were going to Europe. So Chris knew that I already knew the songs because I played a couple shows in the States with him like a month before. So he called and he was like, dude, are you able to come to Europe? We're leaving. It was like a few days notice, you know? I'm like, fuck yeah. So the first show was like 90,000 people over there. You know, it was like, oh, we just got no rehearsal, no nothing. Just got on stage. 90,000 people was the first show. Did it take you a while to learn all the songs? It or did. Like, what kind yeah. of process was that? It did. Because I was learning his whole hour and a half show, like, you know, perfectly. So, so he sent me a mix of just the drums and I think his voice and the click track. So I could kind of hear the transitions and stuff. So I, yeah, I worked, it was like a month and a half. I had to like go over it, but it's weird, man. The older I get, I, I find one thing about like I'm 47 now. The one thing that's really noticeable and it's sort of like a it, it's not a great thing is my memory seems like it's harder to remember shit now mm-hmm. than it used to be or maybe i just it's like when you get a tattoo though you like a year after you've had a tattoo you're like ah that wasn't so bad and then you do it again you're like fuck that's awful but so i don't know <laughs> if i'm just re- i don't know if i'm just not remembering that shit's hard to remember but it's it seems more challenging these days to like because like I said, we didn't rehearse or anything. I just got on stage with his band and he just trusted that I knew everything and we just did it, you know? So it was kind of nerve wracking, but yeah, we, we, it was like a few weeks over there in Europe with him and it worked out. It was good. I think that would be kind of nerve wracking to just jump in, you know, cause like they have a lot of chemistry playing together and they hear. Yeah. You know, and, but... and Chris is like an old friend of mine. I knew him. I, he's been an acquaintance of mine, I guess, not a friend, but I've known him for over 20 years. He used to be in a Finger 11. I don't know if it was a tribute band, but they used to play a lot of Finger 11 songs and they were called Absent Elements, which is a Finger 11 song. Yeah. So before he was Chris Daughtry, he was in a band called Absent Elements. So when we first met him, like when he was still on American Idol, I think we saw him at some show or something. And he was like, man, I'm like your biggest fan, all this stuff. So it was kind of weird how we met and then all of a sudden he became this big star. So yeah, it was, he was super nice, like generous and and really warm to me. And so was his bandmates. Everyone was really, really friendly, but yeah, you definitely felt like you were stepping into like a, a foreign thing, you know? Yeah. And his drummer is a badass too. But now his former drummer is like a, a gospel drummer, just like drum chops everywhere, just going crazy. So, and I'm more, a. Uh, I'm just not that kind of drummer. So I was like trying to emulate that guy a bit. And, you know, I was just trying to make it as seamless as I could for him. Yeah. But uh, I probably, in hindsight, I probably, when I did that last year, I, I probably should have been more myself and played because he wanted like a rock drummer. He wanted that change. And I was trying to sort of emulate what he already had. So I like recently, he's finally gone ahead and got a new drummer now. That old guy's gone. And the guy that he hired is a rock drummer. So it's one of those things, live and learn. I'm like, ah, you know, had I have gone in there and been more myself, played more like myself, maybe I would have got that gig, you know, but yeah. it's like, they're all life lessons, you know, that, that wasn't meant to be. I had this awesome experience, got to go overseas in Switzerland and Germany and oh, damn. England and play all these shows with, with Daughtry. And so it was a great experience, but if, if I were to do that again, I probably go at it a little bit different and it, it's been a few years too so I'd, i hadn't played with anyone in like six or seven years and then just got thrown into chris daughtry world so like my confidence was a little low and i was just the, the whole thing was sort of foreign to me again you know and especially when i came through all this like addiction shit and all this stuff, i came out the other side of it so it was a. Uh, I think like years from now i look back on that as it was like a a re-entrance into music again you know like so it was cool but the, yeah they were fantastic guys really uh, friendly um well you mentioned coming out of uh, the other side and uh i was gonna mention that but i didn't know how to like you know bring it up or anything because yeah just we can talk about all that man 
Yeah. Um, I didn't know at first, like I said in the text, what you're comfortable with. But the second time I saw you guys, um, you were still with Finger 11 and you were playing Peoria again. And it was 2011 and it was an outdoor show. And I bumped into you again because I think you just happened to be you were just kind of keeping yourself walking around backstage. And I just, you know, approach you again and uh, um, just ask how you're doing. And you said you were it sounded like maybe you were staying away from the bus because you had said you were like newly sober. Yeah, I went through a period then. So I remember that time period. I went, th- that was when I first, and like I said, I don't mind talking about this shit at all. I've talked about it a bunch, so I- I'm open to it. But back then is when I first went, I got into this like drug phase. I'd stop drinking and instead of like probably getting treatment and it was overwhelming for me to just cold turkey stop because everyone in our band, we drank very heavily every night. So for me just to stop and then continue on in that world, next thing I knew I was like taking painkillers and just and started doing different drugs okay. to, to sort of cope, you know? And then that stuff being what it is and as addicting that stuff is, I went from like stopping drinking to then all of a sudden becoming a drug addict, sort of like unintentionally, you know, just because the nature of, of pills and stuff are yeah. like a... Uh, what's the word opiates, you know, they're so, I mean, they're destroying this country. So I was like a victim to that. So yeah, that was sort of the start, the downhill slope for me. And then of course, quickly after I started drinking again. So then it was like drugs and alcohol and depression and mental health issues. So it all just kind of came to a head more so like at the end of St. Asonia with that. I mean, I got fired from that band because of it. You know, and for a long time, I never talked about that. I, I would, yeah. whether it was like embarrassment or shame or, but now I can probably that decision saved my life, you know? Yeah. At the time I felt betrayed by Adam, the singer of St. Asonia was my best friend. And it was all this, I just had all this, like, really it was guilt about it. But now like all these years have gone by, it was like, Man, I would have fired myself to the state that I was in. I wasn't playing good. I was staying awake for days and days, literally, you know, and being on the road. I was just, I was, became like a hard person to be around. And uh, yeah, it almost, literally almost killed me. And it's so disappointing. The only one that you're hurting. The only heart you're breaking belongs to you. Pull yourself together. You could be something. Well, I'm glad you're still here, man, dude. Yeah, thanks, yeah. me too. Yeah, I don't like know um exactly like what's that's like. I can't uh, put myself um in your shoes, but like I know what that is like. Uh, I guess there's like addictive personalities. And I grew up. Me, yeah. my whole family. I grew up. Again, I'm British, and it was just in my house. It was. Yeah alcohol my whole life you know it was normal to get yeah. wasted even when i was a teenager at like christmas time and stuff i'd get drunk with my family my parents and and then obviously through high school and then with finger 11 we all drink like way too much you know i don't like to talk about anyone else's uh whatever their deal i don't like talking about myself but i was an alcoholic whether they were, whether that's their business to talk about, but we, we drank really heavy and we were known for it. Like back that tour you were talking about with burden brothers and stuff like back then I was a fucking, I was wasted every day, like wasted, not just drunk. Like I, I used to drink every single day on the road and at home. And for years, I just thought it was like, I probably knew it was a problem, but I didn't want to admit it. And something about being in a band and stuff, you kind of, you feel like, oh, it's just, this is just part of it, you know? Like, yeah. But the older I got, it, it became like, I, I drank more and more and more. Then I started blacking out. So then I would like wake up and not know. And I would, I'd done something shitty the day before. So it, it was just like this ongoing. So even though everyone in the band in Finger Eleven drank, it seemed like at some point I just took like it to the next level, you know? And I, I was the guy that when I drank, even they were all like, oh, fuck, Rich is drinking again, you know, or, or fuck, Rich is drinking whiskey again. Watch out. So, yeah, it was a, it got really bad. And then the drugs, yeah. you know, I was never like a weed guy. <clears throat> the, the drugs sort of came later 
And it was just a few year period, but that was like, got really, really bad, all different kinds of drugs, you know, like it led me, I look back at, at some pictures or just some memories I have or shit. It's like, I don't even recognize myself, man. And, you know, it's crazy. It, like I said, I got fired because of it and it was, a. Uh, it saved my life. And it was like, I, I would have fired myself too, you know? And I know like Adam in St. Asonia, I'm super proud of him. He's gotten sober too now. So even though we're not really in touch anymore, I kind of, you know, we follow each other on social media and it's great to see that he's gotten help also. He, he's a dad now. When we were in a band together, we, we weren't dads. Yeah. I'm really proud of him as well that he, you know, got healthy. What do you do to like, I guess, continue on this path? Like, are there other uh, things that you found? Like, do you exercise more or do you have like another, I guess? Like, uh, no, I know what you mean. I, yeah, you know, or is it just being a dad kind of keeps you off that? Being a dad is obviously a big, a huge thing. Just the time, the amount of energy that goes into it. But yeah. I'm part of a, a 12 step program, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, I do every single day, sometimes several times a day. And that world and that community is such a brotherhood of people, you know, and it's all kinds of different people in an enter- in the entertainment industry that have kind of done the same thing and gotten sober. So that, that whole bubble is like its own, you know, thing now, like it's my, every relationship I have in my life with another man is through 12 step programs. So you find uh there's just, I don't know. It's hard to look back and even think how I did that every day. I go to bed early now, you know, it's like just everything has changed and being off the road now for as long as it's been, even though I, I wish I was doing it more solidly full time, you know, it's a, it's like everything happens for a reason. I probably wouldn't have survived if I continued like that. Yeah. I look forward to, you know, hopefully this year have some new music stuff coming up and it'll be great. Chris Daughtry was like my first introduction to going back out there completely sober. Yeah. And it was great, you know, especially in Europe. Cause it's, you know, get up every morning and just go walk around. You're like in Zurich, Switzerland. It's I've toured Europe probably 20 times over the years. And every day I would drink until four in the morning, sleep till two in the afternoon, wake up, do sound check, sit on the bus, play. Like I didn't do anything. And all those years I was over in all these cool countries I would just go to a bar just like I would if I was in Peoria, you know, like anything. So this time around, it's like I actually got to go and wake up early and enjoy the places you're playing and be present. It was really cool. So I look forward to, you know, if the if things work out, the universe aligns and I and I go back out there playing music. I, it'd be super exciting to do it sober now because it's like this whole new fun way of doing it, you know, and you feel you can just like enjoy everything as it's yeah. happening. Back then it was just all about getting drunk. Like a whole new world, man. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Do you have any favorite uh, like places like you went? Did you do some sightseeing that you had uh, time for? Well, I mean, I've been really lucky over the blessed over the years to tour the whole world. So, you know, Australia is amazing. It's like any place you'd think to go on vacation to go there and play. It's a little different because you don't have much time, but, uh, as far as touring memories, Barcelona, Spain is one of those memorable places. With St. Asonia, we got to go to Russia, which was one of those uh, just like, I can't believe we're here things, you know? But yeah, anytime you go, I mean, Canada and America, it's sort of the same thing. You know, you're in a parking lot behind some club, or if you're playing bigger places, opening for a band at arena, you're just parked underneath an arena. And it's just kind of Starbucks is down the road or, you know, there's, it's just America and Canada, but in Europe, it's so old and historic. You can just fucking walk around for eight hours and just be, be loving it, you know? So that's a big difference from Canada and America touring versus overseas. There's just so much more history and stuff. I got a weird question. You even kind of threw me off. You sent me a text at like, uh, I think it was like six in the morning or something. Are you like an early riser or were you always that way? Oh, yeah. No, I was definitely not always. I used to go yeah. to bed at six. Like, yeah, literally, I, I used to go to bed at six with the sun. But yeah, I get up at six every day now. When yeah. you have a baby, it just changes everything. You know, I get up when he gets up. 
not having a hangover anymore is amazing. You know, like I get up and I'm, I go to bed at like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock and I get up at six. It's, it's healthy and it's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. That's kind of the mode I'm in now. Like, uh, you can, me and my wife couldn't even stay up till night the other night on New Year's. <laughs> it was like 11 o'clock. We're like, fuck man, let's, let's just call it. Let's go to bed. <laughs> I feel it though. Like, uh, like, did you have a lot of like uh, the get-togethers you had too for the holidays? Well, my family are obviously up in in Canada, so I went up there a couple of weeks before Christmas to see everybody during the holidays here. I was with my wife's family. Yeah, it was pretty mellow though. You know, everything these days, like I said, is all about my son. It's all just all my energy into that. You know, so <laughs> which is a great thing. You know, it's really rewarding and hard sometimes of course like like it is for any parent it's uh you know you put so much of your mental energy into somebody else now but it's it's awesome it makes me a better person for sure are you up then on all the uh disney movies and the paw patrol and oh yeah oh yeah like i could <laughs> yeah, recite every word from it all he's not really big at disney guy yet because he's a little too young but yeah coco melon and paw patrol and uh Blippy is another <laughs> character that's like a kid show. Yeah, man. Oh, man. <laughs> My friend Nick, he's got some um younger kids. Like they were obsessed with Blippy for like a period. That's like all they wanted on TV. You know what's funny about that guy is he used to be like a kind of like a jackass performer. Like he would do like crazy stunts. <laughs> and he has one video online where he is like on a toilet, like he shits into a guy's face. <laughs> it, like he's you know he's just trying to be shocking but that was the type of humor he used to have yeah and then he became blippy and it all got kind of got released like a year or so ago like that fucking blippy guy is like this has this crazy history but it was like i had to watch it i had to look it up i'm like blippy really and i look <laughs> like, yeah sure enough there's blippy shitting all over someone <laughs> oh man i guess i got thrown off now yeah, uh, talking about blippy no it um it's all right um i'm kind of always all over the place I guess here's a here's a question, but I think I know the answer to this. What's uh, going into 2024? What's uh, something you want uh, more of in your life? Well, I have like, I don't know. I have like spiritual stuff that is kind of more like a personal journey, that stuff. But like getting a little more connected in, in, in that world, just like growing as a person, becoming yeah. a little more spiritual, I guess. I'm hoping to be, you know, back doing some music stuff this year. Uh, you know, like I said, it's all just about, I try not to like control that stuff or like over obsess over it because you you could lose sleep over it. You know, like I want that back. I want to be, I try to be just accepting of if, if it's, if it's meant to happen, it'll, it'll happen. But there's a few things that seem like a pretty good possibility of coming up. So I, I hope that all works out, you know, awesome. but yeah, it's, uh, pretty basic, man. Just it's all about just being healthy and like trying to be a better person these days. That's like a should I never used to think about that kind of thing, you know, but nowadays it's important. Like the older you get, I want to, I don't know. I just want to like grow mentally and get more in tune with not to sound cheesy, but like the universe, you know, just be more like enlightened, I guess, you know, as I, as I get older yeah. and I don't know that's something I spend time thinking about nowadays, you know, as sort of out there as that sounds, but it's not cheesy at all, man. I don't um, think it's yeah. just not, you know, it, talking about it like this. I don't know if it comes across cheesy. I don't think it's cheesy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I guess it's kind of like finding yourself. I can kind of relate. I was kind of doing that. Um, I'm kind of still on that path. Cause I guess I've always had kind of like battled with like, you know, self-confidence and stuff, even doing like podcasts. I was like afraid to put myself out there. I guess you just got to do it. Yeah, just jump jumping into the fire, and the more you do it, usually when you yeah. do something new like that, often it's not as bad as you built yourself up to thinking it would be. Yeah, and then of course this repetition—it's like playing your instrument too. It's like just the more you do it, the more comfortable. And I find like in my life now, I realize that um, not only am I trying not to give a shit as much as what others think. I'm starting to realize that nobody's thinking anything about me. That's all my own ego. Like yeah. I'm sitting here wondering what, you know, how I'm coming across to someone where in reality they're in their own fucking world thinking about themselves and their life or thinking about if they're coming across 
to the next person. Like they're not thinking about me. So I'm starting to realize now, like I, I I've spent too much energy in the past worrying about people that don't even give a fuck about me or aren't even, yeah. aren't even on their radar, but I'm sitting here spending energy worrying about it. You know, it's like people are more just into themselves and they're what they're doing. Nobody cares about what you're doing really. You know, it's like, or they're not like sitting talking behind your back or no one's judging you as much as you think, or that's just your, all your own ego telling you that shit. You know, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I mentioned, like the radio station, like going like way back to like 2003, I just started out as an intern, you know, driving the van around, hanging up banners. And then finally it was like, I didn't know if I could actually have the personality to do it. Cause some of those DJs are like, or even being like a front man in a band, it takes like a little bit of charisma, maybe even ego or yeah, charisma or something. You got to have a kind of personality for it. And I didn't know if I could do that. And then finally, eventually I was like, it was about this uh, 2010 or 11. I'm like, what do I have to do to get on the air? So, and then you did it. Eventually I got on the air, but then I hit a certain point where I'm basically in a room, just talking to a wall. Then I was like, a podcast thing came up later and I'm still kind of, I was doing like Skype calls and I'm like, what can I do now to progress? And so the zoom kind of opens it up too, where it's face to face. Yeah. It's amazing how over the last, it seems like just a couple of years or like five years, podcasts have grown into what they are yeah. now. And all this massive thing, like Joe Rogan's got like 28 million listeners. Yeah. Crazy, really? You know, like, but I know what you mean about DJs. Like there was a time, you know, when we were, touring especially with finger 11 when every day you'd have to go do those morning shows oh yeah six in the morning you're like dude you know like but it was this whole character these guys would be you know and some of them were overwhelmingly annoying but that's yeah they were like they were like rock stars you know some of these radio djs we had a few over the years some funny memories where we got banned from some big station in Florida. I don't know where, but he was like this huge DJ. I'm trying to remember his name. He's a really well-known guy. Well, they were having like an all-night party at a bar live on the radio. And we were going to come in at 6 a.m. and perform. So when we got there, we're all tired. We get this car at like 5 a.m. at the hotel, go to this bar. And everyone, including the DJs, have been up all night drinking live on radio. Yeah. So we're in a totally different mind space. So we get there and we do the interview and they were just, it was, they were annoying. Like the, the guy was wasted and everyone's yelling in the bar. And like, we tried to, I think we played one thing, the song, I could play a ballad and everyone's like, ah, it's fucking chaos. <laughs> so th- that day, later in the day, I think one of the guys, it wasn't me, James, I think in the band did some interview with some other Florida station. He was saying, yeah, today we went and did this fucking shit show of an interview. He was saying about it. He was like laughing about it, like not being mean. He was like, oh, my God, this thing that we did this morning. But the DJ that we did that for was this huge Florida DJ. So he heard it and he banned us from the radio for like a few years. He wouldn't play our songs anymore. We were like, fuck, we were just telling the truth, man. That was retarded, you know, but... (laughs) That my point being is like DJs have power. They can like make or break your career, you know? Yeah. The big guy at the station I worked at, he was even like, I don't, I don't know if this happens anymore because stuff is so programmed, you know, everything's like almost like a, a playlist or something, but right. He was one of the first stations, I think to pick up Hailstorm and like five finger death punch and like one of the first uh, stations to play them. So I remember they played like bars in like Peoria, like where we're at. And it's crazy to see them like blow up now. Especially five finger. Yeah. yeah. What's up? What, what, what's up? What are you asking me? Oh, no, I'm working right now. You got to go play. I told you I'm almost done. Okay. Wants to sit on my lap. Oh, you want to say okay. hi? I'm saying hi? Here's Roman, my son. Oh, hey, Roman. Yeah. Hi. 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 <laughs> okay. Let me finish this, buddy. I'll be radiant, okay? Go play with your cards for a little while. Uh, hey, Will. So, uh, yeah, it's a, like radio. It's not not so much DJs, but like um, radio programmers. They 
back in the day, you would go and just kiss ass every day to, to try to get them to add your song, you know? And yeah, they could literally make your fucking career or, or it would stay, you know, where it was. But when we were like working Paralyzer and stuff with Finger Eleven, it was every day it was like just kissing ass radio, going to do this thing, going to do this thing. And it was before bands paid, you know, you got to pay to do meet and greets. Back in the day, radio stations would do the meet and greet. And you were kind of doing the radio station a favor, so they play your song. But nowadays, all the bands are like hundred dollars a ticket for a meet and greet. Like, yeah, never, and that's a that's a new thing, you know. Which I hate that charging people to like sign your sweat, you know, sign a poster, come early in the day, and it's seventy five dollars, and get a fucking laminate. And it's like, oh god. Oh boy. Yeah, this is my life. See, this is. Oh, well, I don't want to keep you. Uh... No, 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 no. I'm just, longer, man. I'm, I'm, I got nothing going on. So we're good. I, like I said at the start of it, that, that might happen throughout. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm not paralyzed, but I seem to be struck by you. I want to make you move because you're standing still. If your body matches what your eyes can do, you probably move right through me on my way to you. Huh? Yeah, this should all stay in too. This audio should stay. Oh, yeah. this, is, this is real life right here, you know. <laughs> this is my life now. Oh, it's like behind the curtain. Yeah. 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 No groupies and uh cocaine. Now it's three-year-olds and uh, car toys and <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite album of uh 2023? Oh, 100% sleep token, bring me back to Eden. I'm obsessed with Sleep Token. Are you familiar with that band? Um, only in name only, but I need to check them out. Dude, Sleep Token are the, the best band. Like, they're from England. They're the, I'm fucking obsessed with them. Yeah, Sleep Token, man. Uh, take Is it Take Me Back to Eden or Bring Me Back to Eden? But they are the coolest new freaking band out there. Uh, they're just, the drummer is like from another planet and it's so musical and uh, they all wear masks. I don't know if you're familiar with who they are. Yeah, I thought they wore masks or something like they're yeah. anonymous kind of like ghost. But it's not like we're Slipknot wear ma- masks. It's more like arty, you know, yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked that out, man. Unbelievable. It, when we're done talking, you should uh, put on um alkaline like a alkaline by yeah. sleep token just crank it loud and listen to alkaline sleep token so yeah 100% i got to see them in detroit it's weird. I haven't like I don't know other bands, new music. I'm really even I'm drawing a blank on anything new I've listened to that's really caught my attention besides that, you know? I'm not sure. Like, well then what's been your go-to then? I usually would it, it's funny because I I'm I feel like a musical person. So it's like I could put on I could be in a jazz mood or I could be in an 80s hip hop mood, or I want to hear yeah. fucking Slayer and Slipknot. Um so it just depends you know like i just love music so it, there's it's like when people ask you who your favorite drummer is it's like well from what genre because the world's best jazz drummer the drummer of slayer could never play that but he could never play a slayer song you know so it's like the, there's no best it's like the, who's your favorite first of all is a lot different than who's the best who do you think's the best drummer it's like well i can tell you who my favorite is but then I'd have to break down my favorite in each genre of music because yeah. it's all different. Okay, go in there and draw. Don't draw on the couch. Oh, God. He's going off with a Sharpie and a piece of paper. Uh-oh. You need some of those, what are they, markers that are like washable or something. I know. I'm sitting at our little computer station in the kitchen, and he just grabbed. I started so late, man. I didn't have, I'm 47, so I didn't have a kid three years ago. So it's, yeah, I started super late. I was just talking about uh, that. There's a guy who I work with that knows a local musician. Uh, The guy that I work with, his granddaughter is four. And then this guy, uh, he's like 
like in his 50s and he's got a four-year-old so it's like their two four-year-olds are like in a, a preschool together but oh, if wow. that guy's early 50s like you know and he's got a four-year-old so i mean yeah a buddy of mine uh, looks great this guy i know he's another drummer he's a he doesn't matter who he is but he's uh he's a known drummer who's been around his for a long time but he's in his 60s he just had his first baby now yeah. it's like holy shit you're gonna be dead by the time you're <laughs> 20 you know yeah. but never too late though is that where i was going with that but even even doesn't paul stanley he had kids later too in life mick jagger has a baby right now what yeah with some young oh no you know who it is it's al pacino al pacino is like in his 80s and he just had a he's got like a six-month-year-old or something with some young girl damn yeah it's crazy. <laughs> way to go buddy yeah really you were mentioning drummers who mm-hmm. who would be since you said you would pick one from different genres you can't just i guess what the broad of a question yeah yeah who would who would be four that you would put on mount rushmore then of like drummers well see then i would break it down even more to uh, like you'd have to have a mount rushmore of jazz or something no no, no no i i don't mean that i mean say if we're just talking about rock drummers it's like who do i think are the best or and there's also who are like the most influential to me because it could yeah. be like because lars from metallica as a kid growing up like at that age when i was like 10 or 11 like i was saying earlier like he was the hugest influence in my life as a drummer but nowadays it's like you know nothing against him but it's kind of known if you watch videos on youtube it's like his his drumming quality now has changed from when he was younger you know he's not he's not known as the best drummer anymore but i when i was a kid it it was he was such an amazing drummer and those albums were so good there's a band called queens reich as well that i grew up loving and the drummer from that band yeah, Scott Rockenfield or something. Yeah, Scott Rockenfield, yeah. So he, in some ways, he was probably my biggest influence growing up. When I joined Finger Eleven, if you listen, like back then, Queensryche always, when the guy hit his bass drum, the bass player always... Hit. Like they were always like do 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 like playing the same pattern. That was like a Queen's Rike thing. Yeah. If you go back and listen to Finger Eleven stuff, me and Sean d- did that too. I would always when we were writing songs, I would me and him would I'd encourage him to do that, and that was totally a Queen's Rike influence. I would never have told him that back then because those guys all thought Queen's Rike was shit. You know, they were just like <laughs> you listen to Queen's Rike, like they hated that kind of music. But secretly, I was like. You have no idea, but I'm actually taking this from Queen's Reich influence. So, in a weird way, Queen's Reich influenced some of the sounds of Finger Eleven. I'd love for them to hear that clip. They'd probably be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's the same thing you said too about um, you get older and you realize you know you you just need to not give a fuck because. It's like growing up, everybody was like a gatekeeper. Like, oh, you can't like this other genre. Like, you can only like this. Or you can't like... Like, when I was in high school, it was like Limp Biscuit and Corn were huge. But it's like, you couldn't like, like, Warrant or uh, Skid Row right. or anything. Hair right. bands. Those guys were big bands. Like, when I grew up, too, I liked Metallica, but Skid Row. And that whole world, I, I liked Warrant, Cherry Pie album. I liked that kind of music, too. Like, Rat, yeah. Queen's Ride, White Lion. Oh, he drew something for you. <laughs> it's funny if this was in like paris at something this would be you know what i mean sometimes i see art i'm like yeah. that's worth eight million dollars it looks like fucking that but <laughs> i don't understand art i guess yeah. yeah but yeah it's uh i know what you mean back then you have to like pick your your bands and if you liked anything else you weren't you know yeah you couldn't tell your friends you like that band as well your question about drums like who do i think are I mean, probably John Bonham from Led Zeppelin is probably the go-to, and it be, it's because it's true. He's probably the best rock drummer as far as influencing drummers and his creativity, the, the stuff that he played. It's so hard to play some of it. You know, it's like so fun to jam along the Zeppelin stuff, but 
when you're actually playing it, it's like, holy shit, man, the feel that he has. Same with Ringo Starr, the Beatles. Like he's sort of in some ways not respected as a great drummer, but to try to emulate Ringo Starr, I don't know what it is about how he plays. There's like a, almost a roboticness to him that hmm. when I play Beatles songs, I just sound like a fucking rock drummer. I just mess it up. <laughs> Something really like, you know, come together. <laughs> to play that, like, and for it to sound like that, it never does. I don't know what it is about how he did it. That song actually, when they recorded that song, they put towels on the toms. So when he does that, din, din, da, 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 if you listen to it, the towels on the toms, it sounds like super dead and muffled. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But Ringo is a, such a, a creative drummer but and hard to emulate. But for me, it was Scott Rockenfield, Lars. I liked Living Color back then, Cult of Personality, like that, the drummer, Will Calhoun. I liked Rob Afuso from Skid Row, you mentioned. I was a fan. Oh, I Skid Row. Um, yeah, I was a rock kid, you know, but definitely Lars and Scott Rockenfield were like the two for me that like really, really influenced me. I know we've been going like, I guess it's been like an hour now. I don't want to keep you, but I got one more question just because of your T-shirt. What's your favorite Motorhead song? To be completely honest with you, the only one I off the top of my head I can name is obviously Ace of Spades. Yeah. I've seen him live twice. Yeah. I've, I've met Lemmy three times and drank with him. It's like all you really need in life is Ace of Spades, and I love them forever, you know? Like, And Lemmy's other band before that, fuck, I'm forgetting what they were called. Uh, like Hawkwind? Hawkwind. Hawkwind. Yeah. People love them, too. I, I got to go back and check that out. But I got some funny Lemmy stories of over the years running into that guy and it's like now that he's dead it's like it's kind of crazy at the time it was just kind of like hey fuck there's lemmy you know did a shot with him or and you would i've seen him like i've probably been in the company that guy throughout the years like five or six times and it was just funny but now it's like fuck i wish i cherished those memories and spent a little more time you know the funniest one was years ago we were touring with evanescence and we were in las vegas and the the way to get to the buses you have to go through this little alleyway and it was far from like where the venue was it was like a five minute walk of like all these little back fucking alleys to the backstage door so i was going after evanescence were done i was coming from my bus back and i go all the way like i was saying through this little fucking corridors outside and through this and this i come to the back door and lemmy's standing there and i'm like hey and i'm like what are you doing he's like ah oh, i'm here to meet amy lee and i was like it was so fucking random you know i'm like <laughs> you're just back here by yourself like you just walked like what's the backstory here how are you sitting here so i was like dude i'm pretty sure you could just open the door and walk in your lemmy and i was like in fact I, i'm sure amy would love to meet you let me bring you in so i walk in and i see amy i'm like you're never gonna believe this he's just sitting in the back outside waiting for you like a fan and she's like what i know it's <laughs> like yeah we want to meet amy lee <laughs> it was just knocking on the door yeah standing back there on him on his own like holy fuck <laughs> neat memory Daddy. Mm -hmm. okay but yeah there's a, it's funny those kind of memories there's so many of them. Like I never would have just thought of that unless we just started talking about Lemmy, but it's funny. There's so many like things in the hard drive that I forget about that every once in a while, some random memory will pop up. It's like, Oh my God, fuck, that's a, such a crazy cool memory that I haven't thought of in 20 years, you know, but that's what happens on the road. I guess you have lots of neat experiences like that. I guess. Yeah. Being like there back at the time, you were just in the moment and you weren't really um, thinking of it. You know? Yeah, and it, obviously before someone is, dies and becomes this even more of a legend back then, because like I said, I'd seen him around a bunch of times, so it was more just kind of humorous. Now it's like, fuck, if I could go back in time, I'd invite him on my bus and get every ounce of memory I could out of it and talk to him. But yeah, at the time it was like, there's Lemmy again. What a weirdo. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go, man, but um, maybe we'll have to do like a follow-up or something. Like yeah, pick anything. your brain about more of those stories. 
Anytime, dude. Yeah, call, text me anytime, man. You want to chat about anything, I'll be happy to. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. I had fun, man. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. Let me know when this, how this goes, how it all comes together. And yeah. Well, have a good night, man. Good to talk to you, man.